electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi there, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Today's big interview from the Alps, Chief Financial Officer of Google Parent Alphabet, Ruth Porat. One of the important elements is, regardless of markets, make sure you're focused on long-term growth because those who don't actually miss that and try and catch up. Weathering tech's market volatility and regulator scrutiny and planning for the long term. When you're starting with deep computer science and a set of opportunities, look at cloud. We believe we are very much still in early innings. Plus, the other international story that got us squawking today, China reacts to President Biden's comments on Taiwan. Our Beijing bureau chief, Yunus Yun. Obviously, this looks like a way for the U.S. to pressure companies to diversify away from China. It's Monday, May 23rd, and a very global squawk pod begins right now. Stand back by in three, two, one, fuel, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan. Andrew Ross Sorkin is reporting live from Davos this morning. Andrew, it looks beautiful. This is like the hills are alive there. It is like the sound of music, guys, and you are missed. I should tell you, it's a balmy 67 degrees here, so you wouldn't need all of all of our winter wear. Uh, not need. In fact, I think everybody's sort of struggling with what to wear here because I think people brought all the wrong stuff, but Take a look around. You can probably even hear the sounds of music uh, behind us. The bell's ringing um, as it is noon here uh, in Davos, Switzerland. But we've got a huge lineup, um, lots of folks uh, making their way here. Uh, A little bit different than in the past, but um, I think we're going to get some insights into what's going on in the economy around the globe. Lots of concerns, of course, about inflation, about uh, Ukraine, Russia. This news this morning uh, that the president commented on with Taiwan already making its way around. Uh, President Zelensky kicked off uh, the Davos session this morning, uh, piping in from Ukraine this morning. Andrew, what's what's the mood there in Davos? The mood, I got to tell you guys, and it's sort of sad, it's depressing is what it is. The Davos consensus, and we've talked about whether the Davos consensus is ever right or it's a contrarian indicator, but, you know, we got here late yesterday, went to dinner immediately, and almost to a man or a woman around the table, There was a view that uh, we are headed uh, for something uh, worse than at least what the markets are reflecting right now. And so there's, uh, I would just say, a lot, a lot of concern. Having said that, this is a place where there has always been a lot of hand-wringing. As you know, uh, people talk about what worries and concerns them most. So perhaps that's what's reflected uh, in terms of those conversations. But we've also been here all together uh, when people have been remarkably positive. I remember when we were here, um, frankly, just before the uh, pandemic uh, began. And I think there was some positivity from some. Just and- before. Have you been briefed by the CDC? I have. Are there words about a pandemic at this uh, point? No, we're not at all. And uh, we're, we have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China and we have it under control. It's uh, going to be just fine. Days before, I don't know when you, 
when, the, when we had the first case in Washington and Paul Tudor Jones. Washington State, right? Washington State. Yep. Paul Tudor Jones said coronavirus. And then that, it, it, and that was, yeah. And we've been in it ever since. The, 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 uh, been in the soup ever since. Throw in a war and another potential we've war. We've been in the soup a, ever since. Yeah, and, and, and a monkeypox, hopefully, which is not going to be on. And a monkeypox. I will tell you, the monkeypox issue is, is something people are talking about here. Uh, as as is, uh, COVID as well, as you might imagine, uh, there is a testing regime uh, that they've set up, but we will see how successful that testing regime turns out to be. Um, but um, that does seem to be the mood here. But you're missed. Both of you are missed. I would tell you, uh, wherever I go, I get I get a say hello to Becky and Joe. We're, you know... Where are they? So I say they're... We'll be back soon yeah. enough. We'll yeah, be six, we're you waiting for the snow. Six <laughs> months is uh, in. It's like a blink, and it'll be here. What, when is 2020, uh, 2023 edition? It's January. Yeah, maybe seven months. You might as well just soon. stay. <laughs> you might as well just hang out. No, I'm I, I know you'd like that. I know you'd like no, that. I'll just no, no, no. stay so right you. here. You I, know, so to I, I go would, around I Europe... Would, I would with, love to see with Davos this weather. In the I actually only, would. I, I know. Yeah. I, I would love to see Davos in the spring. The Alps with with, uh, with no Andrews. snow, right? With with watching like everything in bloom. That's that's kind of gorgeous. The von Trapps for a nicer backdrop, Andrew. It was Austria, but the von Trapps are, are around probably. Still to come on Squawk Pod, a rare interview with Alphabet's chief financial officer Ruth Porat. One of the critical elements in everything we do on regulation is you need to constructively engage with regulators because it's really key to go through, so what are the unintended consequences? Google's rough stock ride, Capitol Hill scrutiny, and what's next for internet innovation? Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod, where Andrew Ross Sorkin is sitting down at the first World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland since January of 2020. It's a huge gathering of the world's biggest, most influential names in business and international politics. So naturally, we go. The interview we're bringing you today is a very rare sit down with the chief financial officer of Alphabet, Ruth Porat. There was plenty of ground to cover, starting with a rough market year for Alphabet and for the tech sector at large. Shares of Google are down more than 20% year to date. Here's Andrew. I think this may be your first time on Squawk Box. It is. It's great to be here thank with you. you. For, thank you for coming in. Um, you've been at Google for a very long time now, but you also were on Morgan Stanley. You've seen uh, the economy and uh, you've been around the block uh, quite some time. Help us understand what you think is happening right now. I think everybody here is trying to make sense of, of where we are 
Is this 2001? Is this the 1970s? What do you think is happening? Well, I think having been around the block actually helps because the global macro environment is clearly complicated. It keeps shifting. You're talking about it every day. And at Google, we're clearly not immune to it. I made this point on our earnings call as well. The most important metric to look at and when you're thinking about our ads business is actually GDP growth. But we know that we can't control the macro environment. What we can control is our ability to deliver on all the exciting opportunities ahead of us. And what's made Google extraordinary for all these years is this deep roots in computer science. And we think there continue to be extraordinary opportunities to deliver for consumers around the globe, for our partners, for governments. And so we're continuing to invest and invest quite aggressively for long-term value creation. But even if, I mean, but I assume you must sit around, uh, I don't know, maybe virtually now and say, okay, we think the next 18 months is going to be more challenged. And by the way, more challenges may be good for a, for a big company with a, with a great balance sheet like yours, because there might be lots of opportunities. We, do you say to yourself, okay, here is this moment. Maybe we're going to be starting to buy other things. There's other things going to happen here. Well, I, I think when you look through it, it does come back to the point that cycles come and go, whatever they may be. And when you look at the set of opportunities, we're continuing to invest. So core to your question, we always try and look at portfolio optimization and make sure that we're making the right choices and we're continuing to do that. But I think at the highest level, one of the important elements is, regardless of markets, make sure you're focused on long-term growth right. because those who don't actually miss that and try and catch up later. Do you think this is going to be a moment for acquisitions? And can you make acquisitions in terms of the political climate? Well, it's certainly an interesting time when you see what's going on in the markets. And we we are proud that we are making an acquisition of Mandiant, adding to what we're doing right. in cybersecurity, which is such a critical area at all times, but you particularly see it now. So we have continued to add. We're continuing to look at opportunities, and we'll see. Um, we've talked to a lot of venture capitalists here, and this is why I, I make the point. There are a lot of companies that, are gonna, that may run out of cash. Right. And that's why I'm wondering whether you look at this moment, and there's sort of a, a real disconnect between those companies which are starting to, to either lay people off or, or hold the line on, on hiring, and you guys are sort of doing the opposite. It goes back to this core question. I feel like I'm being right. very repetitive, but when you're starting with deep computer science and a set of opportunities, look at cloud. Right. We believe we are very much still in early innings. We believe it's an extraordinary opportunity. Our ability to add value to enterprise customers and governments means we should be leaning in and right. investing aggressively, and that's what we're doing. And to your question, making strategic investments, making acquisitions. And so we're continuing to build out the suite of what we're doing so we can deliver right. for our partners. In the moment, and I don't, know, do, I don't know if you get weekly reports, daily reports, how it works in terms of advertising. What are you seeing even the last couple of weeks? Is there any difference between what you saw two months ago, a month ago, and the last week or two? Well, the, the key trends in, in advertising, I think one of the interesting elements uh, that we are focused on is how are people re-engaging with the world? And one example is what's going on with retail and commerce. And the way we're looking at it is the world has shifted to this omni-channel where you're living in both the physical world and you're living in the virtual world. Probably one of the most interesting stats in my view is this whole thing about queries around searches near me, running shoes right. near me, best breakfast spot near me. That's up 100% year on year. So what we're seeing is merchants and consumers are saying, I want, I want to be able to transact. They're looking, maybe starting their search online, maybe starting in a store, but ending it in the other place. So trying to make sure for all of us that we're right. straddling this online world and physical world is a key part of the. What about all these advertisers? I mean, there were a lot of companies that actually 
were built or grew up during the pandemic, oddly enough, in the last two years, maybe even with stimulus money and other money that came in. Are you concerned about that money falling out, meaning those companies having to pull back? I think it's sort of startup to crew? assume right to your first question about, obviously, we, we're part of a broader right. ecosystem. And so we need to be mindful of how this evolves. And so um, we're, we're watching it like everybody else. Um, let me ask you a free speech question or, or a content moderation question. I think everybody's trying to grapple with this issue. And one of the most interesting things that's happening right now is we had this, you know, tragic shooting in Buffalo, but there've been tragic shootings all over. But this one in particular was interesting insofar as it went up on Twitch, was taken down. Other people tried to put it on other sites. Folks like you and others tried to take them down as quickly as possible. And yet we now have a law in Texas, for example, which I know uh, your company and others are going to the Supreme Court to object to, that would have forced a company like yours to keep that up in a state like Texas. H how do you grapple with these, these new laws and what do you think? How do you think this all resolves itself if it does at all? Well, attacking disinformation or in that is anything that incites violence. We've got a tremendous investment and team around it. People and machine learning to block it, take it down. Right. The whole point is how do you elevate authoritative information? How do you reward authoritative information? And you need to put structure and governance around it, which is what we've been doing. And so I think it's absolutely critical that you have the ability to move with speed when you see something, if you haven't already been able to block it, to pull it down. And right. that is one of the critical elements. You saw that in Russia as, you know, that's another important area where we had the ability to bring down disinformation and actually to keep up elements that, um, that were key and, and, and invaluable. And so that ability to move and the investment behind it, we think is a core part of delivering on what is it that people expect right. of us. But, but, but what do you make of this moment we're in where you have states like Texas? And by the way, I don't know what Elon Musk would actually say about this, but he wants to turn Twitter into a completely uncensored environment, or at least a relatively uncensored environment. That's what he says. But in a state like Texas, taking things down would be illegal. So I think that one of the critical elements in everything we do on regulation is you need to constructively engage with regulators because it's really key to go through. So what are the unintended consequences? Right. You and I have talked about that in the context of financial services. And it's very clear. If you can be specific and, and explicit work with regulators, I think that they too want to land things in the best interest of safety, security. And so that's what we're looking right. at doing on both sides of the Atlantic. Ruth Porat, thank you for being with us. Thank you. It's nice to see you in this warm weather here. And usually I see you in parkas. It's great to be with it's you. Great Thanks to see so you. much. Thank you again. Andrew might be in the Swiss Alps while Becky and Joe are in Times Square, but another big international story got them squawking across time zones. Breaking overnight, President Biden said the U.S. would get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if China tries to take it by force. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's a commitment we made. That's a commitment we made. We are not. Look, here's the situation. We agree with a one-China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that, that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not, is just not appropriate. It will dislocate the entire region and be another action similar to what happened in, in, uh, in Ukraine. And Eunice Yoon uh, joins us now with the reaction in uh, Beijing. 
Um, well, just tell us, what is the reaction, Eunice? Well, the, I'll tell you the reaction in Beijing, but the re, there was also a big reaction, I think, worldwide, and especially among foreign policy folks, uh, because the problem that people had was when President Biden used the word commitment. So um, he said that the U.S. has a commitment to defend Taiwan in such an event. And this is a deviation from standard American policy, which is based on the concept of strategic ambiguity. So the idea is that the U.S. kind of keeps it fuzzy, purposely leaves it vague as to what it would do. And you could see the reaction um, by the White House uh, kind of signals that, where they walked back very quickly uh, those comments by reiterating uh, the U.S.'s uh, long-held position to uphold the One China policy and also to defend Taiwan or to, su to support Taiwan defending itself. Now, um, as you can imagine, uh, the Chinese uh, slammed those remarks, very, very upset, uh, said that uh, Biden should not underestimate the resolve of China to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity. Uh, though This headline, though, uh, seems to have overshadowed, though, or still in the limelight away from what really was a bigger story um, out of Tokyo, and that is that President Biden had unveiled the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, uh, which involves pretty much every single economy out here except for China. And I think what's interesting about it is that uh, right out of the gates, President Biden made it clear that this is not about trade, it's not about tariffs, uh, maybe learning some lessons from uh, the marketing of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, another big economic uh, pact that uh, the U.S. had marketed out here long ago, uh, but instead uh, saying that this is about rules setting. And I think uh, you could see there's a long list of different types of rules that it would set, say labor, environment, tax and investment. But what's significant is that they want to change uh, the attitude towards supply chains. So there's actually an interesting inclusion of countries on this list. So you have pretty much all of the production competitors to China on this list. So India, Indonesia, the Philippines. I mean, this is all quite significant. And then you also have the other side of the coin with supply chains. So South Korea is on this list, not like with TPP, Japan and the United States. So all of these places, which are kind of on the high end with all the companies that are making all these, these uh, high-tech gadgets. There's been some talk that maybe Taiwan is gonna get somehow involved as well, guys. Um, would be really interesting if that were the case, but obviously this looks like a way for the U.S. to pressure companies to diversify away from China. And uh, you know, as you can see by me wearing my mask, uh, zero COVID is already kind of incentivizing a lot of companies to uh, rethink how much investment they want to have in this country. What? Uh, a lot of trouble spots around the world. I, I, I th thank you, Eunice. I'm not sure. It, it's a very fine line to make. And, and we were just talking off camera. You, you say one thing on Ukraine, and then you, know, you see what happens with Ukraine when it, it, if there is the slightest weakness shown before it happens. So then maybe you try to be more strident in this case and warning China. But I don't know if anyone really believes that militarily we'd is that what he meant? I mean, do we... Look, if you go back to the agreement that was originally struck decades ago, the United States has said that we would support them if they were to do it. It's always been a question whether it be our mean? military or if we would right. help them by providing weapons or other things that, like you've seen in the situation in Ukraine. Um, 
Well, this, this is, is definitely like, above our pay grade for, for trying to figure it out, and I don't know, but um, it just, that certainly would raise eyebrows around the world, raises eyebrows, you know, everywhere. More than eyebrows in, in China, you know. Right. To hear these things kind of going through, and knowing that this is the most important relationship in the world right now between the United States and China and the struggles that have been there and watching how that plays out on the business world where CEOs have to start thinking, can I continue to operate in both countries? Can I source from that country? How does that work? And, and there are a number, as you know, said, a number of companies that are going to be watching this very closely from Apple, whether they start looking for other ways for their supply line. This is going to impact Tesla, where China is such a huge and important or market even, for them. Or even thinking very seriously whether to defend the new embassy in Kyiv. Do we send special forces operations or special operations forces in there? That's, that's being proposed. Even that ramps up the perception to Putin about whether there's troops on the ground. And so the, the slightest uh, increase we worry about. So I don't know how you just... Everything's a provocation. I don't know how you would say that... Well, I don't know what defending Taiwan militarily actually means. I, don't know. I hope the president, <laughs> I hope he thought it through and that that is the, sounds like that's being walked back a little at this point. That's the podcast for today. On our rundown tomorrow, more coverage from Davos. Huge interviews straight from the Swiss Alps. Sound of Music was Austria, but that really it looks, looks a, like it. It looks the a lot. Hills uh, are alive. We may have to like take the cameras out and just sort of run through the daisies. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with the rest of our content on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.